0: Father, we uh, ask that the words of that song become the anthem of our lives, Uh, that no matter where we are, wherever we go, we can declare our need for you and come into this room this morning expectant and mindful that you meet those needs. God, that you're faithful and that you have revealed yourself in profound and powerful ways in a manner that allows us to see that, God, you care, you love, and you are with us. And so we thank you for that promise. We thank you for your presence. And we ask, God, now that as we turn to your holy word and your scriptures, um, that we would see once again how those needs are met in Christ and fully in Christ alone. God, we pray that your spirit would be living and active in our lives. And in this time, that we would be able to once again give greater consideration to this gospel and how it changes us and molds us and shapes us. And that we would leave here today changed, transformed, courageous, knowing that you're with us and so we thank you god we entrust all this time and all of this worship to you and to you alone in jesus name amen and amen thank you all you can be seated morning church um i i don't know how noticeable it is but if i sound a little bit different i, I don't feel 100 percent uh but i feel good enough to preach and, and i'm excited to be here with you and uh Look forward to having the opportunity to continue our discussion that we started last week, uh, but definitely uh, woke up this morning a, a little less than 100%, but was uh, in one of those situations. I was like, we're going to do it. We're going to make it happen. So I got my water, got my cough drops in. We're, we're good to go. So, uh, But I am going to sit down, if that's okay. You guys get to. I feel like I should be able to every once in a while. So um, anyway, last week, we're, we're going to get right to it, last week we started uh, really kind of with an introduction to our theme for 2023, which is the idea of being courageous. That's the year uh, that we're going to, or that's the word that we're going to focus in on throughout this year. And as I explained last week, this, this idea of an annual theme is something that's really kind of started back in 2021, I guess you could say. And, and, and these themes have really intended to, to build upon one another. We, we started in 2021 with a call to just fix our eyes on Jesus and as we walked through that theme for a year, the natural progression was, well, if you really focus on Jesus and fix your eyes on Jesus, he's going to change you. You're not going to leave unchanged. He's going to no longer allow you to be conformed to the patterns of this world, but you're going to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And so for all of last year, we talked about the importance of renewal and living a renewed life. And so the natural progression from there is if I, if I fix my eyes on Jesus and he changes me, that transformation should mold me into a courageous person, uh, that I should live differently the world than the world around me, and then that should be embodied and marked with a life of courage and so that's going to be a lot of what we talk about throughout this year and we're introducing that theme uh, last week and this week and part of the way that we'll approach this, as I mentioned uh, this past Sunday was that there are several things we'll try to cover throughout the year. We are gonna finish uh, throughout the year the book of Romans. We'll get through the second half of Romans, which I think really lends itself to this idea of living courageously. Uh, But in addition to that, we're going to address a lot of different subjects and topics that I think speak to the idea of how do I live courageously in this context, in this society, in this setting, this culture. So some of the subjects that we'll cover, we'll start this actually next week with our first topic on prayer. And, and understand what does it mean to live courageously and have a courageous prayer life and how that's foundational and fundamental to all of it. And then throughout the year we'll hit on several other subjects, uh, subjects like truth and how do I courageously uh, find truth and share truth. We'll talk about identity. Um, how do I live as a man and a woman of God uh, in a courageous way in this setting and in this context. We'll talk about Purity. Um, in, in not just in relationships or in, in love, but really in, in mind and in speech and in a very holistic, comprehensive way for us to consider purity. And then we'll end the year uh, talking again about just purpose, right? courageous mission, the places that God sends us. And so those are the things that we're going to do. Uh, to take an approach to to addressing this theme, uh, but w- one of the things that we've drawn our attention to last week and today is this verse in Joshua one nine. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. We're just going to read it real quickly again to start our time together today. And as I, I shared with you last Sunday, uh, we we have actually preached on the surrounding verses in the life of Joshua and a previous message back in December of 2020. This series right now, this little simple two-week introduction, is really just focused on verse 9. But if you have time to go back and and listen to that message from uh, 2020, this gives you some additional context to all that was going on for the people and some other things in the surrounding verses. But for our time together uh, today and last week, we're really just focusing in on verse 9. And so let's read it again together this morning. It says, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So verse 9, we decided to break down into two different parts. Uh, The first part we talked about last week really just centered in on the idea of God's command, have I not commanded you, and then understanding those terms of being strong and courageous and what that looks like. And, And the question that we presented last week, and that I want to still be in the back of your minds this week, is what is God asking of you? Right, like, that's, that's what I want us to wrestle with. What, what is he asking of you? What is he asking of us? And, and when we begin to wrestle with that, part of what we tried to extract from the first part of this verse uh, last week was that we need to understand that, that God has a greater plan and purpose, right? And that when he speaks, when he asks us to do something, it is attached to that greater plan and that greater purpose that we wanna be in alignment with his will above our own. And because it's attached to his plan and his purpose, we can recognize that obedience matters. Right, Like, like he wants us to be found faithful and obedient. We've, we've got to recognize the importance of obedience and responding to the things that God has asked us to do. We talked about how he prepares us. We can look back in order to look forward. We can look back on those moments where his hand was on our lives and to really begin to see, okay, this is what God is maybe preparing me to do. And so we, we talked about those elements, and then by looking closer at the terminology in the first part of verse nine and looking specifically at strength and courage, we, we were able to expound upon that even a little bit more. right? That in particular, being strong is accomplishing what was intended. right? That we wanna follow through. We don't wanna start something and then, and then give up on it. right? That's, that's more of a demonstration of weakness, strength, accomplishes what is intended. We also talked about having strength in battle and recognizing that sometimes those battles are external or they're internal, but it takes strength to to go and engage in those different battles that often present themselves in our lives. We talked about resolve and the importance of having that earnestness to approach these things and not to be hesitant or to delay and to do so with this mind towards victory. And so a lot of that is all unearthed there in the first part of this verse. The second part is gonna be what we look at today. And, and I want us to add a question uh, to the one that we presented last week, right? If last week it was, what is God asking of you? What is he asking of us? Uh, what I want us to consider today, especially in light of this call towards living courageously, is then to give thoughtful consideration to what are the things that can discourage us? Right? Like, that's, that's the question for you. What is it that, that discourages you, right? If, if I want to be courageous... What's gonna be the obstacle to that? The way we define discouragement, I'll get to the biblical definition of it here in a second, but just if you were to get online and, and Google it, uh, to be discouraged means to be deprived of courage, right? It's the absent, uh, absence of courage. So what are the things in life that remove courage from us? And I think that's very important. If we're really gonna uh, approach this theme seriously throughout this year, it's not just a rallying cry of, all right, let's be strong and courageous. It's also a certain awareness to say, okay, these are the things that are, I'm gonna have to overcome. These are the things that can deprive me and rob me of the courage that I'm seeking to demonstrate. And and so there's one particular thing that I think can be discouraging that I want us to focus most of our time on today, but there are, there are others. And, and I'll take a, a brief moment here at the beginning to acknowledge some of the other things that can create discouragement. In fact, I... Came across an article that was written by Rick Warren, I think, in 2018, and and he had a a pretty good summary of some of the things that can discourage us. And I'll reference a few of those. Uh, one of the first things he mentioned was fatigue. And, And I think we can all acknowledge that when we're tired, it's hard to be motivated, right? Like when when you're tired and you're fatigued, there's a higher chance of irritability, there's a higher chance to be uh, unmotivated, and and so you're gonna find yourself more likely to say, I don't have the energy. I don't don't want to do this. Which is why, if we're gonna really take being courageous seriously, there is um, reason to give consideration to how do we create space for rest throughout this year. I mean, God gives us a command to honor the Sabbath for a reason, right? We need to operate from the overflow of our hearts and not by running on empty. And so I think just briefly, all of us can recognize that one of the ways we can be discouraged is just being flat out tired. And so how do you build margins in your life, right? How how do you create that space to to really find rest? Now, another one uh, that we could also be mindful of that Warren presents in this article is frustration. And the way he describes and defines frustration is this, this moment that a lot of us are familiar with where we just get overwhelmed, right? Your list is long. And you've got all these things that you're trying to accomplish and that you need to achieve, and you just can't get to it, right? There are all these interruptions, life interrupts you, all these different things, and and so you can't get to the things that you need to achieve, and so the list gets longer and longer and longer, you just get more and more frustrated, right? And and that frustration, that sense of being overwhelmed can be very discouraging. And so again, it speaks to how do we manage our time wisely? How do we say no to certain things? Uh, How do we create that that space and healthy boundaries that allows us to really focus in on the things that God has asked us to do and to not get distracted, not get overwhelmed, not get frustrated? Uh, The third one that Warren points out is failure. Failure is also discouraging, and I would agree with that one. A lot of times we we see things fall through. Uh, They don't happen the way that we had hoped they would or that we had intended, and experiencing that failure can often be very discouraging from ever trying again. And so uh, when we experience failure, it's, it's a good reminder as we go throughout this year that when we look in the scriptures time and time again, it's about perseverance, it's about endurance, it's about uh, overcoming and having that sort of resiliency in life. So, so I recognize that there are several things that can be a source of discouragement. And, and we need to be mindful of, of all those things if we're gonna truly be courageous this year. Uh, but there's one particular thing that is the last one on Warren's list and that I feel is the primary one that robs us of our courage that I want us to really focus in on today, and that's fear. I think fear is the number one thing that can be a source of discouragement. And, and the reason we're going to emphasize that today and focus in on that is first and foremost because I would tell you it's, it's the one that's most explicitly revealed in this verse and in this text. It's, there's, there's a biblical justification for saying that. Because right after uh, this verse, right at the beginning, where you see this call, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, this call to being courageous, God follows it up with this encouragement to say, don't be afraid. Right, Overcome your fear. In fact, the word for discourage, the Hebrew word for discourage that's found here, uh, in a more literal definition, means to be filled with terror. And so this, this verse is really saying, don't be afraid. Don't be terrified because God knows that that fear and that terror are oftentimes the greatest sources for our discouragement, right? Those are the things that can often rob us of our courage and deprive us of courage. And so maybe another way for us to ask ourselves that question this morning is not just what discourages me, but what am I afraid of? Like, what do I fear in life? And and really that's kind of what I want us to explore in greater detail. Right, is how do we gain a better and healthier understanding of fear so that we can address it in a biblical way that allows us to live courageously? Okay, and so that's what we're going to do for the rest of our time here today. And, and part of, of what you find as you work through the scriptures is that this theme of fear is pretty consistent. We've talked about fear before, you see it all the time fear or not. Right, uh, you see that with the, with the Advent season. You see it throughout scripture that we're called not to be afraid. So there have been numerous occasions where I've been up here and we've talked about fears. And I think one of the things that is helpful whenever we have the opportunity to explore this subject a little bit further is to, to really kind of wrestle with what, what are our fears. And one of the ways that we can do that is just by looking in society. In fact, I, uh, I came across this uh, survey that's done by Chapman University every year. They do an annual survey of the average American and and determine what are their top fears, the top 10 fears that the average American faces. And they do this every every year. And so this fall, they just recently came out with their past survey and they've got the top 10 fears listed. And I'm I'm gonna read to you this list that came as a result of this survey. And essentially, the results of the top 10 list here are the moments that people responded to as being either afraid or very afraid of. And everything, everything on this list is, is more than 50% of those that responded, okay? So it's a pretty, pretty significant majority of people saying, I'm, I'm either afraid or very afraid of these things. And so I'll go in descending order. We'll go from number 10 and end with number one. The 10th the greatest fear that Americans face is biological warfare. Uh, Number nine is pollution of oceans, rivers, and lakes. Number eight is economic and financial collapse. Number seven is not having enough money for the future. Six is pollution of drinking water. Five is the U.S. becoming involved in another world war. Four is people I love dying. Uh, Number three is Russia using nuclear weapons. Number two is people I love becoming seriously ill and number one is spiders. I'm kidding, That it's not spiders. <laughs> it's for me. Um, number one is corrupt government officials, right? So you, you listen to that list and it, it makes sense, right? If you think about the things that we hear in the news, um, these are all credible concerns based on what we hear and face in society, right? These are legitimate concerns about uh, all these different things happen. You hear talks of recession, you hear constant monitoring of the, the war in Ukraine. I mean, there are all these things that legitimize these fears and these concerns. Now, what I appreciated about this survey and, and what Chapman University did is they did more than just provide a list, right? They did more than just give you your top 10 fears. They, they kind of looked at it and studied it, and they said, you know, really, you could break down these top 10 fears into five categories. Right, and and now you kinda get a little bit of of more clarity in terms of what are the things that we're typically afraid of. And so here are the five categories that they identify in that list. Number one is environmental concerns. Uh, There's a second one, this isn't like prioritization just in general. Uh, The second category is economic concerns, right? Fear of losing money or financial collapse. War is on there, several of them were pertaining to any sort of interaction with war. Four is politics, right? That was the number one, any sort of corruption within government and government officials. Uh, and then the fifth category was harm to a loved one, right? And, and so you see those different categories. And again, I think it, it resonates with us to a certain extent, doesn't it? That, that we can all say, all right, maybe, maybe within those categories we have different fears and maybe I fear one category more than another, but more or less, I would argue that most of us can identify with some of the fears that fall within those categories. Now, what I wanna do this morning is take it one step further, okay? Uh, going beyond just the list and beyond the categories, but then one more thoughtful step is to, to try to analyze fear and how fear uh, impacts us in particular and robs us of courage. That, that I'll admit, right, I'm, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a sociologist, and so I, what I'm sharing next is is not from the survey or the study, it's just my personal observation, right? Uh, but when I look at those categories and I look at this list, the, the largest common denominator that I see is what we fear the most and most consistently is pain. Right, now, now pain, more often than not, is experienced in one of two ways, uh, physically or emotionally, and so, a lot of the things on this list um, are, are fears of experiencing physical pain. So, financial crisis, right? Uh, war, you know, anything along those lines, uh, corrupt government, th- those are the things that are going to threaten my physical peace and livelihood. Right? I could lose my job, I could lose my money, uh, I, could, I could lose. my my overall security and safety, right? All those things are physical concerns that could create physical pain. But there are other things on this list that really don't have anything to do with the physical world. And and the fear that we have here is the pain that we can experience deep within our heart, within our souls, right? The gut-wrenching pain of watching a loved one suffer or losing a loved one, right? And so be it emotional, or be it physical, our, our kind of common thread of fear is the fear of pain. And that makes sense to me, because when you really think about it, we're probably hardwired to avoid pain, right? It's part of the survival instinct that I think is almost inherent within all of us. It's how we avoid tragedy, it's how we avoid danger, and it's how we survive is to, to almost instinctively create a life that avoids pain. And and so we need to recognize that if that's the number one thing that we fear, more often than not, and we're kind of hardwired to to avoid it, then we need to ask critically, well, how do we handle that in a healthy way and in a biblical way? Right, because here's, here's essentially what happens when we're hardwired that way, is that essentially what we do then is we create a life that that really puts tremendous amounts of energy and effort to limit ever experiencing physical or emotional pain. Right, so we don't want any disruption. We don't want anything that can threaten us and potentially cause emotional and physical pain. And so we'll create a world that, that really is designed to insulate us from that sort of risk, from that sort of pain. We don't want any disruption. We want emotional and physical peace as best we can. And so we'll curate a life that, that, that really tries to find protection from financial insecurity or, or foreign threats or oppressive governments. We'll, we'll work out to make sure that we're healthy and our loved ones are healthy. We'll go to doctor's visits. We'll do everything we can to build up these barriers and these parameters to guard against experiencing any sort of physical and emotional pain. And what happens then is that because we don't want any disruption is we begin to create a life that really never takes risk, right? And and when there's no risk, there's no opportunity for courage. Now, we may still take risks, but sometimes we take the wrong kind of risk. A lot of times the risks that we take are really only intended to further insulate us from physical pain and emotional pain. For example, we may take a lot of financial risk. Like we may take a risk with an investment or starting our own business, but those risks are still intended so that if we're successful, we've got greater financial security and greater installations from any emotional and physical pain, see what I'm saying? So we may still take risks, but oftentimes it's the wrong kind of risk. And so here's why this is problematic, is that you begin to look at this And before long, we're living a whole life where we're running from our fears. And the reason that's a problem is because we can begin to convince ourselves to think that we can actually achieve a life that is gonna have 100% peace and stability and protection from emotional and physical pain. And that is a delusion. That's fantasy. See, what the Bible teaches is that emotional and physical pain is inevitable. Especially in this life. Now, there's nothing wrong for us to long for that peace because that's the promise. That there will be a day where pain will be no more. But that only is achieved when we are with Jesus forever. That is not how we find it in this life. So the way that we find peace and stability in this life is not by trying to avoid emotional and physical pain. It's not by trying to run from our fears, but actually by facing them. Right, that the true strength and true courage comes not by running from my fears, but facing them. Because what we discover in the Gospels And what we discover in Scripture is that not only is emotional and physical pain in this life inevitable, but more often than not, that's what God calls us to, and there's reason for it. So consider for a moment the biblical justification for what I'm saying. Let's start with Jesus. His life was filled with emotional and physical pain ultimately and most profoundly demonstrated on the cross, there is not a greater depiction of ultimate emotional and physical pain. And so if that was the experience of our Lord, it absolutely will be the experience of those who follow him. If he was destined for it, who are we to think that we can run from it? And we see that played out with the disciples, right? When he extends the invitation to the disciples, come and follow me, that's a call to leave your family. It's a call to leave your job, your security. And they did it. It was an invitation to experience emotional and physical pain. You think about Joshua. He's sending them into the land. He's, He's sending them to war. And the folks there that are hearing this are thinking to themselves, well, if you're sending me into the battle, I could lose my life. My loved one could lose their life. And God's answer is yes. It's a direct invitation to emotional and physical pain. The disciples, right, after the, the ascended Christ commissions them to go, they experience the threat of imprisonment, persecution, and eventually death a life filled with emotional and physical pain. And so what do they do, church? Do they run from it? Did Joshua and the Israelites say, sorry, no thanks, I'm going to avoid it? Or did they face it? They faced it. Right. In fact, one of my favorite parts of the scripture where we see how they face it comes from Acts chapter four. Okay, so it's early on in the formation of the early church. And, and you have Peter and John that have just been arrested. Okay, so they're experiencing, they're in the midst of physical and emotional pain. They've just been arrested because they performed a healing. And so the threats of their work, the threats to their emotional and physical well-being are, are already experienced. And, and the leaders, the authorities of the day, look at Peter and John and they say, you need to stop what you're doing. Right, you, you need to no longer preach in this name and do these things. And so having experienced emotional and physical pain, Peter and John could be like, all right, you're right. We, we don't want to go through this. That would be the instinct. Let me run from this fear. But in Acts chapter four, you know what they say in response to those threats? Is they say, as for us, we cannot help but speak of that which we have seen and heard. <laughs> they face their fear, they don't run from it. Now in that moment, they're released. The authorities don't really know what to do with them. They're they're fearful of the mob because everybody's so excited about the healing. So they go back to the church, to the other believers. They tell them what happens. And the church gathers around and they pray. And what do they pray? They say, consider these threats and enable your servants to speak with great boldness. They don't run from it, church. They respond to it with courage. And it's there that they discover something really profound and significant, right? That that we're not guaranteed to have a life that is absent of emotional and physical pain. And so the way that we find peace and comfort is not by running from it, but actually facing it and discovering that we have something greater. And that's where we find our strength and our courage, by overcoming our fears and facing them, not running from them. And so when, when we ask ourselves, the question this morning, like what, what are you afraid of? What discourages you? Part of what we need to recognize is that when we pair that with the question of last week, of what is God asking of you? What is he asking of us? That the only way we really face those fears and handle that in a healthy way and truly discover the sort of courage that we find described here in the scripture is to recognize that we have to live a life that takes, takes risk. We have to risk, not for our own benefits, not for our own security, not for our own insulated lives, but for the gospel. When he calls, he often calls us down a path that will experience emotional, physical pain. It will require risk, but it's a risk for the gospel. And so that's the next level of this question this morning. What are you risking for Jesus? Like what are you risking for this gospel? How are you facing these fears when you hear him ask you to do something? Well, let, let's consider that for a moment, both corporately uh, then individually, and I'm going to give you an example and we'll be done, okay? Uh, when you think about it corporately and who we are as a church and the vision that we've talked about repeatedly Uh, over the last several years, that that at the end of the day, what we're pursuing as a congregation is discipleship, healing, and justice. And we've talked about that in so many different ways, and we're pursuing that in a lot of different ways. Let's, Let's break that down for a moment. Let's start with healing, okay? The reality is, it takes tremendous risk to acknowledge you need help. It takes a tremendous risk to confess brokenness and sin, to other brothers and sisters. It takes tremendous risk to acknowledge I've never really been discipled though I grew up in church my whole life. I don't really know how to deal with these things. It would be so much easier to just avoid it and run from it. It's so much more comfortable to not have to embrace that. But when we run from it and we avoid it, we empty our lives of courage. We don't fill it with courage. Gotta take those risks. You think about justice. We've narrowed in our focus on justice with foster care and adoption. And we, we laid this out back in November that over the next year we are praying that God would rise up, raise up three different families who would embrace fostering or adopting a child. That we as a church can develop a network of support for those families. And let me just be very clear, when you respond to foster care and adoption, you are absolutely pursuing an avenue that is guaranteed to present some form of emotional and physical pain. And so it would be so much easier to run from it and to not risk it, to avoid it. Whether that's to actually adopt and foster or that's to support, it'd it'd be so much easier and more convenient to just leave it to the side, let other people do it. Right? But when we do that, and we run from that sort of fear, it empties our life of courage. It doesn't fill it with courage. Think about discipleship, 200 baptisms. That's, that's a pretty significant goal. That's a challenging task, but that's a task that's going to require risk. And the risk associated with that is multifaceted. right? Whether that's responding to the idea of going to a colleague or going to a neighbor, or maybe even going to the nations. Actually, like, leaving my job and and transporting myself to a whole other culture. Right, the risk of rejection, the risk of failure, the risk of ridicule and judgment, I mean, all of it is, is inviting a pathway towards emotional and physical pain. It'd be so much easier to be like, I don't want to do that. That's a pastor's job. That's a church staff. I don't need to have those conversations. It's much easier just to insulate ourselves not take the risk. But when we do that, we empty our lives of courage. We don't fill them with courage. Right, so, so we have to take the right sort of risk. We need to ask ourselves, what are we risking for the gospel? Here, here's the other side to this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to that list that we talked about from Chapman University at the beginning. And here's why it's so important for us to be willing to face these fears and not run from them, no matter how they manifest themselves, right? Because what we begin to experience in our personal life is the inevitability of emotional and physical pain. And so let's, let's play out some of those worst fears coming true for a moment and us experiencing that sort of emotional physical pain personally. Let's say there's a massive recession and financial crisis. And you lose your job. You lose your retirement. You lose your financial security. What will happen in that season, in that stretch, is you will be forced to answer a very important question. Is Jesus enough? Do you love God more than your own financial security? Right, let's say that that ours is the generation that's gonna have to navigate the next world war. And all the emotional and physical pain that is attached to that, all the fear, all the concern, When, when our safety is threatened, what will ultimately happen down that road and down that journey is we will be forced to answer a question, is he enough? Like if my well-being is threatened and my emotional and physical well-being is at risk, is he still enough for me? You think about watching a loved one suffer. And no matter how hard you try, trying to protect them from illness, from injury, tragedy, whenever we go through that emotional and physical pain, it will force us to ask ourselves a question, is he enough? Is Jesus enough? And so facing these fears refines us and strengthens us in incredible ways. It allows us to face situations, be it corporately or individually, that says, no matter what may befall me, I can't help but speak of that which I have seen and heard because He is enough. And so, what are we risking for the gospel? Are we willing to face our fears and not run from them? I want to give you an example of some brothers and sisters who have done this incredibly well recently. Um, it's interesting how I, how I was made aware of this story. Uh, back at the beginning of December, uh, the Tarrant Baptist Association had its annual Christmas luncheon, which we hosted at this church. Becky Beiser and her team did a phenomenal job, as they always do. Um, and since we were hosting, I was, I was there. And when you get a, a large gathering like that, it's a mixture of interactions where you get to see people that are both familiar to you and some you've never met before in your life, and you never really know what's gonna come of those interactions. But I, I, I saw one individual um, who I had a familiarity with, but it had been several years since I'd seen him. His name's Hunter Faulkner, and uh, Hunter and I crossed paths within my first few years of being here because one of the things that I was really committed to when I first arrived here um, was every week, I would, I would partner with other folks in different um, ministries and agencies, and even some folks within our church, and every week, we would go out and we would just share the gospel. Uh, We would often target uh, areas that had a high concentration of of people from different cultures. And uh, I've since adopted my strategy with that. I've I've focused more on neighbors, but that was a consistent weekly effort. And Hunter uh, was where I I crossed paths with Hunter in those efforts, because he shared that same passion. And he was deeply invested in, in one particular apartment complex that was highly diverse in a lot of different cultures. And so I hadn't seen Hunter in years, and I was like, man, it's so good to see you. And we you know, did the whole small talk exchange, and he made an introduction to somebody I was unfamiliar with, um, a guy by the name of Singh, who comes from Myanmar. And, and Hunter says, hey, this is my friend Singh. I'm partnering with him now. We, we've just planted a church for Burmese refugees, and Singh's the pastor here um, in, in this DFW area. And so I got a chance to meet him and shake hands, and we, we exchanged contact information and Singh said, is it okay if I email you and just let you know some things are going on with our church? I said, absolutely. Um, and I was really thinking he was talking about the church plant here in the DFW area. Within probably two days, he emailed me, uh, but I'll confess just with the rhythm of Christmas and then Christmas vacation, it wasn't until I was in the office back again last week that I started getting through all these old emails and I read what Sting had sent to me. And so I wanna share with you this email, because uh, to me it is such a tremendous example of what it means to live courageously and to face our fears and not run from them, okay? Here, here's what he says. He says, let me share the current situation in crisis my home church in Myanmar faces. On November 13th, 2022, the military dictators in Myanmar sent an eviction notice to over 10,000 families who have been making a living for several years in this region. These residents were ordered to dismantle their property and leave their respective areas before November 22nd. That's nine days. They received an eviction notice from the governing dictators to dismantle their possessions and leave the region within nine days. And if they didn't, The military would arrest, torture, and imprison the residents. Take that in. This is not some Book of Acts ancient biblical story. This is November of this year. Receiving a letter from the governing authorities telling you, you got to take everything you own and leave in nine days or risk being tortured, arrested, and imprisoned. It is absolutely facing emotional and physical pain. He continues, he says, lots of tears. Many residents were dumbfounded and in despair. Our church, the International Harvest Church, is one of those churches undergoing this crisis. He, he sent a couple of photos in this email. I'm gonna show you uh, just a few of them just so you can kind of get a picture of what we're talking about. The first photo here, um, he says, is a picture of his mom and his sister holding on to the cross while they start dismantling their church, right? This is them just, Holding on to these possessions while everyone else was working to dismantle their area and their church. The second photo is is actually a picture of them dismantling the church. And you can see just from the photo itself, it's a very humble church. Right? It's not ostentatious, it's not elaborate, it's not just flooded with financial resources. And yet the reason they took the effort to dismantle it was because if they didn't, the, the government was gonna come through and either uh, put a bomb on it and just detonate it or tear it down themselves. So their only chance to preserve anything they had was to dismantle it on their own. The third picture is a picture of Singh's mom and dad. And this is after they've dismantled everything. This is kind of them taking one little last moment before they, they move on. I loved what he said as a caption to this photo, he says, mom and dad still stand firm in their faith and hope in the Lord. That's how he describes that photo, as they're enduring this emotional and physical pain. Now, scene continues in his email, and he talks a little bit more about the type of church that he has back home. Here's what he says, International Harvest Church is a thriving church that engages the community, develops leaders, disciples, new believers. It has planted 15 churches in partnership with regional gospel ministers. (laughs) Amidst all of the threats and the concerns, they've planted 15 churches alongside other partners. The International Harvest Church also accelerates outreach missions in different parts of Myanmar. But now our church members in this region are scattered, not knowing where to live. We have no place to hold worship services, but we pray, believe, and expect God's guidance, provision, and protection. Here's what he says to us. He says, we would be very grateful if your family, your church, and other partner churches and ministries would pray for our church and our church members in Myanmar. So we're gonna do that today here in just a little bit. And I pray that you would continue to pray for them. But then listen to what he says next. I love this. He says, they're looking to find new land, so they can rebuild their church, help our scattered members, disciple new converts, equip and empower a new generation of leaders and continually advance God's kingdom across Myanmar. That's what they're looking to do. They ain't running, they're rebuilding. And they are willing to face those fears and give us a modern day example of saying, it doesn't matter what the threats are, we can't help, but speak of that which we have seen and heard. And we are committed to taking this gospel across this nation. What an example of courage. And in that, we see the value of what it means to face our fears and not run from them. Because what this church knows and what we know and are going to be reminded of here this morning as we draw this to a conclusion is that the greatest part of Joshua 1 9 and the source of all of our strength, all of our courage, and our ability to face our own fears is knowing that God is with us. That is the essence of the gospel, that is the good news. It is Emmanuel God. With us. It is not that we get to be immune from emotional and physical pain, but we find something greater that carries us through it and walks with us alongside those valleys and along that despair. We find something that is greater and stronger and more amazing. And so we need to orient our lives not to strive for comfort, but to strive for Jesus. We need to be willing to face those fears face those concerns, and do so because we know he's with us. Right? The, the, the greatest secret to doing this well, church, is recognizing that we don't overcome by our own strengths. We don't overcome by our own abilities or our own intellect. We overcome these fears because he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. So, has he not commanded? Be strong. Be courageous. Whatever he is asking of you, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's pray. Father in heaven, We start by praying for the International Harvest Church in Myanmar, our brothers and sisters who have been confronted with these threats to their emotional and physical well-being. And yet, we have seen just through the words of this email today, God, that they have responded with strength and with courage, and in so doing, have emboldened us to do the same. So we pray that you'd go before them that you would meet their needs, that you would assure them of your presence, and that you would remind them of the hope that we have in Christ. And God, that as we think about their example and the example of so many others who have gone before us and demonstrated similar postures of courage and strength, may we recognize the value of of demonstrating that in our own lives to facing our fears, whatever it is that you ask us, God. May we respond with boldness. May we evoke the spirit of of your Holy Spirit, God, that allows us to speak just as Peter and John did, to say we can't help but speak of the things that we have seen and heard. God, we thank you so much for what it means to follow you and to recognize that when we do so, God, though we may encounter some of our greatest fears, we find something greater a promise that allows us to rest assured that you were always with us to the very end of the age. Thank you for loving us so. May we now respond with the power that you have put through us and in us in Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior. For it's in his name we pray these things. Amen and amen.